It is midday here on this Tuesday, September 28th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Glad to be a part of your day. Boy, we've had a good show so far talking about minimum wage. We've had a lot of people chiming in on that. Also, your favorite treats if you're uh, out harvesting or going to be preparing for harvest. I've been hearing a lot of feedback on that as well. It's not too late. Go to our KRV and Facebook page or give me a call in the studio. Coming up on Midday Today, we'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports. Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are doing. Seems like things are a little bit mixed today so far. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Paul Perkins will talk about our ag weather forecast. Sounds like it's going to be a wet one starting possibly later tonight and definitely tomorrow across much of the region. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. But first, let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. And Susan, I know you've helped with uh, Harvest in a variety of different ways. Uh, do you have a favorite treat uh, that you either brought with you or you supplied to those that helped? Oh, let's see. Popcorn with Reese's Pieces in it. Oh, that sounds delicious as well. Yeah, and then apple slices because you got to have something healthy. Well, yeah, it's probably better that you do. I don't know if you have to, but, uh, I, you know, that first option sounded much better to me. Yeah. But did you know that apples have a natural caffeine in it? I did not know that. So that's that's my excuse for the apples. Okay. I need but, the caffeine. Well, then to keep you going while you're you in know. the grain car. Yeah, understandable. Okay, very good. Uh, well, what do you have coming up for us today uh, on Midday? Well, we'll kick it off here at 1219. As I talked yesterday with Jim Eichelman, Jim is the Lower Loop NRD director and happens to be president of the NRD. So we'll talk about some things that are happening not only in the Lower Loop, but what's happening statewide for the NRD. Then I'll come in at 1245. Just got an opportunity to talk with Bobby Chris Wickham. She is with the Farm Service Agency. She gives us an update with some deadlines that are quickly looming for our producers. And then Chabella will wrap up everything at 117 as U.S. GLC member and former USDA Ag Secretary Ed Schaefer talks about the coalition's desire to work and bring agriculture to global areas. All right, so some good stuff coming up today. We appreciate it, and uh, have a good rest of your Tuesday. You as well. All right, thank you very much. That's Susan Littlefield. Let's catch up with our own Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Coming up in sports, uh, we'll talk some Husker football. Nebraska is looking to put things back together following Saturday night's disappointing overtime loss at Michigan State. Now, the Huskers have been haunted in a couple of different categories. One of them has been slow starts. We'll get the take from quarterback Adrian Martinez about that. Also, the UNK volleyball and football teams are each ranked in the top 20 in the nation. I'll tell you where the Lopers are setting. Going to their big matchups this week. Volleyball team with a big match on Friday night at home against 13th ranked Northwest Missouri. Football team will look to stay undefeated on the road Saturday night at 2-2 two two Fort Hay State. And UNK yesterday hosted their annual high school cross-country invite and a number of local kids and teams did well. For all of those scores and results, you can find that at krvn.com. All right, great stuff coming up. Appreciate it, Jason and Bob Rogan. Looks like a lot of red on the screen right Stocks now. Stocks are uh, definitely down, and uh, they're getting pounded right now. Uh, they are lower, led by declines in uh, big technology companies. Also, U- U.S. home prices soared in July, and so we'll get an update on that. U.S. Co- consumer con- confidence declined for the third straight month. In September, and Republican senators are trying to block a bill to keep the U.S. government funded. That's been a back-and-forth battle there, and it's not over yet. All right, a lot of great stuff coming up on Midday as usual. .com. 
Well, this is the regional ag weather update, I promise you. Uh, unless, Paul, you wanted to do uh, auction time. I don't talk that fast, so. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, this is live radio. Sometimes those things happen. Uh, we're back on the right track now. We're time for regional ag weather. Paul Perkins is joining us, in fact, here in the studio. Well, Paul, I, I suppose before we get to the warmer temperatures today, I suppose one of the bigger stories is it's going to be wet, uh, possibly starting tomorrow. But it, I guess the question is, how wet is it going to be? Yeah, looking at the potential here of like one to two inches of rain for many locations, and we do have a map on our KRV and Facebook page right now that shows how much rain is possible between now and Friday. We could see even a little bit more rain Friday night into the weekend, but all in all, some definitely good rain potential with the system. An area of low pressure moving out of the four corners. Usually, when you hear out of the four corners, mm-hmm. that means it's a good chance of some getting some decent precipitation, and that looks to be the case with this so it's good for those areas that are dry because we have a lot of our listening area that is dry especially here in nebraska but for those that are trying to harvest it's going to hinder them a little bit yeah i'm going to slow things down a bit but from what i've seen on reactions on facebook people say you know what we need the rain right now and and, you know it's still early in the harvest season anyhow still lots of time to get things done yeah that's a good point and uh but today we're going to see those warmer temperatures once again yesterday we saw a lot of places uh break records yeah uh, western and central areas in nebraska and kansas seeing some record highs on into the mid to upper 90s i know it got up to 94 in central nebraska in the hastings area Uh, broke a record that was only three years old uh, because we have seen these temperatures as late as early October on October 3rd of 2018 so not too far out of the ordinary but uh, definitely warming up yesterday not quite as warm today but it was nice yesterday we had the heat during the day but right. it just quickly cooled off at night I think I went out for a walk about nine o'clock and the sun was down and it was practically already uh, 70 degrees or cooler already by uh, nine o'clock no you're right it really was beautiful out I was outside with the dog as well about that same time and I'm like <laughs> This is like a summer night out here. This, yeah. is, this is perfect. It was just perfect. That low humidity, just ideal weather right now. Well, today, though, might be one of the final days that we get this kind of heat, at least for the future. Definitely. Right now, those temperatures warming into the upper 70s to the low 80s across the area. A little increase in cloud cover, especially as you go towards southwest Nebraska into west and central Kansas. That cloud line from about Ogallala to Curtis to Phillipsburg and points to the southwest. And some partly cloudy skies to the north and northeast of that. Still comfortable on those dew points, but a little bit higher than yesterday with many of us with dew points right now in the low to mid-50s. That slight increase in cloud cover from approaching low pressure today. Not going to be quite as warm with that cloud cover as yesterday, but still our temperatures expected to be 15 degrees warmer than normal. A few thunderstorms developing over the west and southwest late today gradually will weaken as they track to the north. A few more thunderstorms are possible during the day tomorrow as that area of low pressure gets closer tomorrow evening. A cold front pushing into the sand hills providing a better focus for some widespread thunderstorms it could easily be midnight or later before most of the region sees any meaningful rain with the system thunderstorms expected to continue off and on through thursday afternoon before that coverage gradually diminishes from northwest to southeast still a good chance of rain tunnels with this system between one and two inches friday starting to look like it will be mostly dry before some better thunderstorm chances return late friday night into saturday and linger through the weekend. Some fall-like temperatures for Thursday through Monday likely to be slightly below normal. For the latest long-term forecast, overall the temperatures likely to be warm
warmer than normal for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. Sunday through October 11th, especially the middle of next week through October 11th. In early October, central Nebraska's daytime highs usually in the upper 60s to low 70s, 70s with average overnight lows in the low 40s. In a slight change in that outlook, now indicating near normal to slightly below normal rainfall the early half of next week for Nebraska and Kansas. Those rain chances tapering off for the early half of next week. Slightly above normal rainfall is still indicated for late next week through October 11th. Key weather factors in the markets include periods of rain slowly moving through the plains and Corn Belt, along with widespread beneficial weather in South America. On the plains, high temperatures today exceeding 90 as far north as eastern Montana and the Dakotas. Topsoil moisture remains limited. Limited for Germany and germination rather and gro- growth of recently planted winter wheat. Topsoil moisture ranged from 49% very short to short in Nebraska to 98% very short to short in Montana. The next few days, some drought relief should occur. A multi-day rain event across the central and southern plains should result in five-day rain totals of two to four inches or more from Texas to eastern Nebraska. The northern plains and much of the eastern U.S. will receive little or no rain the rest of this week. In the Midwest, rain will move into western areas late this week, then the rest of the Midwest by early next week, possibly a hindrance to harvest. For central Brazil, scattered rain over this past weekend was not enough to officially start the wet season in many locations. The scattered rain over central Brazil this week should promote soybean planting. In south Brazil, a couple of chances for scattered rain this week, a benefit for all their crops. Argentina was dry this weekend where rain and more of it is needed for corn and soybean planting and establishment. There are a couple of chances for scattered rain this week, but some areas look like they will be missed. More rain chances expected in Argentina with an active pattern currently set up. Are we going to see the the hot temperatures like we, obviously it's not going to be as warm as last two days, but probably no records will be broken today, I wouldn't think. No, we're going to be close to some record highs for today, but just kind of shy of it. This cloud cover really uh, will hold the temperatures back just a little bit, so Close to what we saw yesterday, but not quite as warm. And tomorrow, more of a transition day to those cooler temperatures for Thursday into the weekend. And reminder, listeners, you do have a rainfall map. Where can they find that? You can go to our Facebook page for KRVN to check that out. It's from the Weather Prediction Center of the National Weather Service, indicating the rainfall totals that we should see between now and Friday morning. Okay, good stuff. And Paul usually updates that as often as those come in. So be sure to like our Facebook page or KRVN. .com. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. .com. The NRD's annual meeting does continue in Kearney. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Jim Eshelman joins us now. He's a director with the Lower Loop NRD, also president of the NRD. And talk about being in person. What a great opportunity for you guys to, like you said, meet with directors, get to go into these sessions and just learn more about the workings across the state. Yeah, it's been uh, really great after the last uh, year not being able to meet in person, and uh, we're really excited about having this conference and being able to meet uh, in person and uh, being able to talk to directors from other NRDs, and that's one of the main things is to be able to do that and to meet with the vendors that we have. You guys do have some great vendors that really are showcasing for these NRDs what they can do to help them within their districts. Yeah, we really appreciate the vendors helping sponsor the conference because we wouldn't wouldn't be able to have the conference without them. And uh, we learn a lot uh, about some of the products that they have. 
What are some of the issues that NRDs um, are bringing to you guys here at this annual meeting that are, they want to maybe have the discussion of or maybe learn from others about? Well, one of the big issues now that keeps coming up is, is not necessarily water quantity because at times we do have a problem with water quantity, but right now we're looking in uh, water quality because uh, it's really important that we uh, try to not... Uh, get too many nitrates in the water because if we don't we're gonna have all the water in the world and if we don't have safe water we don't have good water so what are some things that you guys are doing to, to better educate these districts well that's a that's a tough one it's not necessarily uh, the districts but we got to get it out to the to the individual farmers and sometimes that's pretty tough when farmers have been doing the same thing all the time and we just have to uh, get a lot of information out to them, make them realize that uh, when they put too much nitrogen on that it's not necessarily doing the crop any good, that it it goes down into the groundwater. Really? So you guys are re maybe reshaping your education effort and bringing it to that producer, but they're getting information from you guys and, and just the, the water cooler talk to learn more about what works in one district might actually be a benefit in another. That. That's a good thing this morning. We got done a little early so we could uh, go into the before the breakout sessions. And uh, I think that's people are getting a lot out of that, uh, being able to uh, discuss things with other uh, NRDs and with the vendors. And, and I think they get a lot out of that more than maybe some of the sessions. Of course, we always got to encourage guys out there to order more trees because that's a huge part of, of what the NRD does and in repl replenishing. It's a very, very huge part of what we do. Uh, we're working with a, a vendor right now to uh, help sponsor uh, that we plant uh, a million trees, and they're going to help uh, subsidize that. And so hopefully we can get everybody on board and uh, get more trees planted. So having said that, are you guys going to do a statewide campaign to, to encourage more producers, or what's being done to reach that million tree goal? Well, we're going to... Uh, We'll go to each individual NRD and help uh, subsidize some of the tree sales that they have up to a certain point where we have the money to do that with. It's a great opportunity, and there should be no excuse but to get out there and plant a tree or two this spring. Yes, I, I, my wife and I plant trees every year. And that's my conversation with Jim Eshelman, Lower Loop NRD Director and President of the NRD. The meeting does continue through this afternoon in Kearney. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. It's back to the drawing board this week for the Huskers, who look to bounce back following Saturday night's disappointing loss in overtime to Michigan State. Huskers have shown a pattern of starting slowly in games, as quarterback Adrian Martinez says they need to find a way to change that. That's something we're figuring out and something that needs to be fixed, as you pointed out. Um, need to start faster, need to help out our defense sooner, and maybe play ahead in the game, you know what I mean? So something we're figuring out and 
need to find a way to get those guys going early and get us all going in the right direction. Kickoff on Saturday night between the Huskers and Wildcats is set for 6.30. We will bring you the game right here on 880 KRVN. Nebraska Volleyball's Lindsey Krause has been named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Krause averaged nearly four kills a set in last week's win over Northwestern and Iowa. UNK hosted its annual high school cross-country invite yesterday in Class A for the boys. Juan Garcia of Grand Island was second. Lexington won the team title in Class B. Also in Class C, Luke Boniface of Adams Central was second. In Class D, St. Pat's took the title while Shelton was third. Trevor Consul of Mullen was a champion. In Class B, McCook, Samantha Rodewald was a champion. And in Class D, Fullerton, they were the champs while the St. Pat's girls were second. Mullen's Callie Cobble finished second. For all of the results from yesterday, you can find that krvn.com. After going 1-1 one and one over the weekend, the UNK volleyball squad slipped six spots to number 10 in this week's ABCA Top 25 Division II rankings. Lopers have a big one on Friday night at home against 13th-ranked Northwest Missouri. We will bring you that match on 93.1 The River and 106.9 at Kearney. And the undefeated Loper football squad is up to 12th in the latest D2 football rankings. They have a big game on Saturday night at Fort Hayes State. And the Broncos will be without speed to receive K.J. Hamler for the rest of the year. Hamler tore his left ACL in the Broncos' big one over the Jets. He was a Broncos' second-round pick last season. He also is a seventh starter so far that the Broncos have lost to injury. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. .com. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us. And uh, our lead story today looks like an unfortunate another fire. Yes, yes. Well, the shop building burned in a residential area of Stamford yesterday afternoon. Firefighters were paged at 4.26 p.m. Stamford Fire Chief Mike Shaw says Oxford and Orleans were immediately summoned to assist as it was reported to be fully engulfed in flames. So there wasn't a whole lot of technique that we could use to really get ahead of the fire. It was more contain it try keeping away from neighboring exposures and things like that. Shaw said they are grateful for all the help. I'd really like to thank all the guys who showed up, Stanford, Orleans, Oxford, a busy time of year for everybody, and they still dropped what they were doing to come in. The fire started as the owner was doing some welding, and some sparks fell into a waste can, and the fire quickly spread from there. The Nebraska Tourism Conference will be held October 19th through the 21st at the Midtown Ramada Inn in Grand Island. Nebraska Tourism's Callie Osted says there will be bus tours on the first day. On the first day, we have three different locations that we're highlighting. We're going to be taking a tour at the newly opened Charles Whitney Education Center at the Gerloff Prairie to Zabuni Specialty Coffee and the Crane Trust and Nature Center. We selected these locations based on their unique individual stories and takeaways for attendees. That same evening, Grand Island will be hosting their community night. It's going to be a fun gathering at Farmer Park's Barn Bar. The second day features education breakout sessions and keynote speakers. Nebraska Secretary of State Bob Evnen has tested positive for the coronavirus on Sunday. That's one day before he was scheduled to announce his re-election bid. A spokeswoman says Evnen has been fully vaccinated against the virus and his symptoms are not severe. She says Evnen is working from his home office. Evan, a Republican, was supposed to hold an in-person campaign event on Monday, but abruptly canceled it, citing unforeseen circumstances. His campaign made the announcement in an email. Evan was first elected in 2018.
In his first congressional testimony on the tumultuous withdrawal from Afghanistan, the top U.S. military officer has called the 20-year war a strategic failure. General Mark Milley, chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, also says he believes the U.S. should have kept several thousand troops in the country to prevent a Taliban takeover. Milley said that he believes the U.S. should have kept at least 2,500 troops there to prevent a rapid Taliban victory and reportedly uh, told that to President Biden at the time. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Kansas. The Farm Service Agency has some deadlines that are looming for producers, whether you are growing crops or raising livestock. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up with Bobby Chris Wickham. She's the Public Affairs Outreach Coordinator for the Nebraska State FSA Office. As we talk first about some forage deadlines coming up. Right. I mean, it is harvest time, but it's also planting time for folks too, right? So we've got winter wheat going in and triticale and rye. Um, so any fall seeded crop uh, needs to be reported this fall for fall acreage reporting by November 15th. So there's a little time there, right? But um, it's easier for producers, I think, as they're planning to be able to mark on maps and things like that. So if they talk to their county FSA office, they'll be able to get that process rolling. Does that include cover crops then as well? Correct, yeah. Um, we would like them to also report their cover crops now while they're doing their other fall seeded crops. Programs that are available, CFAP too. I mean, it's, it seems like we keep getting a new one every so often, but more information mm -hmm. is coming out for folks to get involved mm -hmm. with this. Right. Um, we do have a deadline set for CFAP 2 um, of October 12th. And so anyone who is, has not applied yet for CFAP 2, and we think we have you know, most folks in already that have wanted to access benefits under that program, um, but we would like them to, to consider that program if they haven't by that October 12th deadline. And then there also have been a couple policy updates. So anyone who applied previously as a sales commodity um, there was a policy update related to the um, years of revenue that they could use for the formula. And so that would be, sales commodities would be things like dry edible beans, fruits and vegetables, uh, pullets and wool. All are um, some of the commodities that fell under that sales uh, commodity category for CFAP2. So you may want to talk to your county FSA office about that policy update. And then for contract producers as well, um, so we're talking like chickens and turkeys and swine, um, egg layers. For, for those contract producers, there also were some updates to the uh, formula that was used for CFAP2 uh, payment formula that was used. So you may want to contact your county FSA office to inquire about that ahead of the October 12th deadline. It's nice to see the contracted option come in for these producers. There were some producers that were impacted by COVID, you know, the same as some of those that uh, are actively selling on the market too. So we want to make sure we get that assistance available to them as well. Bobby, what's needed for documentation? Uh, for CFAP2, there's an application that the county office will walk through uh, producers with for that, that program. Are we still doing most of it online or is it going county by county as to whether they can come in in person? 
or get the paperwork done. Yeah, our county offices are open by appointment, um, but we also have the option to help our producers, you know, through email, and there's an online um, interface for CFAP too. So lots of different ways to help producers. Um, but if you prefer in person, you know, just call and make an appointment with your county office. PLIP, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, the Pandemic Livestock Indemnity Program. We're also taking applications at Farm Service Agency for that program. Producers had to make, you know, some producers had to make some difficult decisions um, because they couldn't access processing due to COVID um, earlier in the pandemic. And so for producers who had to do some depopulation, there is assistance under PLIP. Um, the deadline for applying for that program is October 12th. And again, documentation, what are some things that they need to have? You know, it's a producer certification on that application. So um, they're going to fill out that um, application with their county FSA office. And then it's a matter of um, having some um, resources available or documentation available should they be asked to show, you know, what kind of losses they had. But it's not part of the actual application process. What's the window um, for when they can put that data together to show loss? Um, so it was for animals that were depopulated between, I want to say, March 1, 2020 and December 26, 2020. That was the time period for, for when, if they depopulated during that time period, those animals can be included for this program. We don't think of logging in Nebraska, but there is some assistance for, for the logging industry and the haulers. Right. Um, Pandemic Assistance for Timber Harvesters and Haulers, or PATH is the acronym, uh, is available for uh, that sector of, of the industry. And uh, yeah, while not necessarily a large sector here in Nebraska, um, there is assistance available for those who are impacted. Um, if you ha are a timber producer, um, either you know someone who's who's cutting, uh, hauling. Maybe you're doing processing like grinding or chipping on site. Um, those are the types of uh, individuals that would uh, be eligible for this program. And I think you have to have a gross revenue of 50% of your gross revenue has to come from uh, that to be able to apply for the program. And the deadline is October 15th for PATH. So lots of deadlines, lots of things to keep straight, but you guys have a great website that kind of helps to keep them organized. Mm -hmm. Right, um, you can go to the Nebraska FSA webpage at fsa.usda.gov slash ne, uh, where we try to keep all that current stuff updated on the front page under the spotlight section. And then the farmers.gov website. My conversation with Bobby Chris Wickham, Public Affairs Outreach Coordinator with the State FSA. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Investment. The U.S. Global Leadership Coalition is hosting its inaugural Heartland Summit this year virtually to explore the global impact of the heartland to create jobs, feed the hungry, and reduce poverty around the world. The organization is not the only one looking to make life better globally. Last week, the United Nations Food Summit was held and USDA Secretary of Ag Tom Vilsack was in attendance. A member of the USGLC and former USDA Ag Secretary Ed Schaefer says while the goals are similar... The importance of uh, agriculture, United States agriculture, Nebraska agriculture, the importance of that into the building nutrition and opportunities for people around the world. Now, many people don't, most people don't understand uh, 
that the United States of America, the citizens of the United States of America, provide over 50% of the world's food aid every year. Schaefer says with land and water in some global regions becoming scarce and with an expanding population, nutrition is becoming a challenge. And the answers are going to come from the United States of America in our technology, in our know-how, in our machinery, in our ability to export food. Uh, Hungry people make for unstable governments. And it is in the best interest of the United States of America to lend our agriculture expertise to provide food and nutrition across the world. Schaefer says while the U.S. Global Leadership Committee will not be making policy, they are ready to work in other ways. We allow and Congress allows more technology to be delivered. And as I mentioned, we can do 50% of the world food aid every year. But there's also a reluctance you know, for Congress to allow us to go over and build roads, to build infrastructure, to, to build uh, consistent electric supply. All the things that, that the developing nations need to be able to feed their people, we have the expertise to do so, but, but we can't do it. The argument for not sharing, Schaefer says, is often a fear of losing ground in the global market. But the reality is with declining yields and, and with uh, increasing population, we have to start transferring our knowledge and our ability to emerging countries. Or there are going to be more than 5 million kids, children, starve to death every year because they don't have enough food. You know, there's plenty of market out there for the United States of America, for our farmers and growers in Nebraska to be able to export food and expertise and machinery and data so that uh, we can help other nations develop their infrastructure to be able to feed themselves. Schaefer says agriculturists don't necessarily have to be part of the summit, but he would like to see them get involved. I think it's important for Nebraska farmers and ranchers and landowners to um, be be engaged uh, in their commodity organizations, in their, you know, the Farm Bureau and the Farmers Union and the people who coordinate and, and create a larger voice in Washington, D.C., in the halls of Congress, you know, activity is very important. And, and often we shy away from, from wanting to, you know, be political about things. But, um, you know, farmers and ranchers engaged in their organizations, engaged in leadership in their organizations, get an opportunity to help shape public opinion and get an opportunity to help shape public policy that, that advances agriculture, not only in Nebraska, but across the world. Schaefer says to join the effort with the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition or to get more information, go to usglc.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Highway Use. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as we come in here to the closing session, a lot of red on the screen, kind of a risk-off mantra across much of the complex. Any concern here, given the fact we didn't see a drop in condition ratings, and it looks like harvest kind of just on a traditional pattern right now? Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to make too much of it. I think you'd see a pullback here, seven cents after making a new high last night. This is kind of ho hum action here. I uh, I look across the complex and you got a lot of volatility. Wheat down. Obviously, everybody's kind of paying attention to the natural gas trade at this point. So we're still watching high oat prices. 
uh, high Minneapolis wheat prices and essentially cotton market that's really starting to run too. So uh, I think we're dealing with harvest pressure, good weather in the short term, and you know, maybe a market that's a little tepid just given that China has not bought anything on corn side yet. Is there any concern from a technical perspective? We can trade more of a sideways pattern for so long. Are we nearing levels at any point where we need to really do find support or where we could face major resistance? Well, $5 obviously would be the first level you're looking at in the downside, but I'd even go higher than that, 520. That was a really good chat point that we saw sub, you know, before the moves lower in August, uh, both on the, uh, on the, the September contract and then now on December. On the upside, I think 550 to 570. But even taking it up to 580, that was the USDA report high from the July report, I believe. So uh, that was really kind of led the deterioration down. But I think in the short run here, it's uh, you know it's a market that's looking for more news to digest. Still very uncertain about what's going to happen with the government here going forward. And I think that macro kind of twist here on the markets could be limiting the funds from jumping in. So kind of watch the Nasdaq here this this afternoon really getting hit. Uh, you know, maybe some pain here in the short term to get a resolution that might be what's needed. So be ready for kind of some shocks here, I think, from the equity side to uh, to maybe lean on commodities a little bit. But given what we're seeing in natural gas, given what we're seeing in a lot of the energy space overseas, I think you're going to have, you know, very good bids under the market in the shorter term. Uh, in fact, you look at natural gas here at $6 and everybody's kind of screaming about how expensive it is. You're trading in the tens to twelve dollar range in the in the mid two thousands. So there's a lot of room here on the upside. I think um, you know the fertilizer trade certainly has everybody kind of up in arms. I know a lot of folks getting fertilizer bills here in the near term. That is not going to inspire one. It's not going to inspire production, and two, it's going to keep folks from wanting to sell at these prices because profitability isn't there. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Sag Marketing, Chicago Publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. You can learn more always by visiting DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, that's DanielsAgMarketing.com. Do remember, though, trained futures options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday Podcasts that can be found anywhere where podcasts are available or at krvm.com. Hey, our topics today here on the show have been a combination of two things. One, carrying over from Clay's show. Uh, what are the must-haves and snacks while you're harvesting in the combine, grain cart, truck, whatever it may be that you're doing? What snacks that you need or what do you have in your cooler that you that you that you have every time you're out there because listen you're in there for hours and hours all day long sometimes at night whatever it may be uh but what snacks are you having also we're asking uh because of uh, a story that came out nebraska voters are being asked uh if you are interested in raising the minimum wage as a coalition of nebraska community organizations and supporters are collecting signatures for a ballot initiative that would raise the state's minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour by 2026. So we're asking you to weigh in on both. Would you like to see Nebraska uh, raise its minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2026? And what is your favorite snack, meal, drink, whatever it may be, uh, while you're harvesting? So we got a couple more answers here. Carol from McCook said she is not in favor of seeing minimum wage go up. She said if the wages go up, then businesses, small businesses in particular, then would have to charge more for their products, uh, for their, their meals, all that kind of good stuff in order to pay for maybe that, that help that is now getting $15 an hour. So basically saying that, 
uh, while you're giving more to the, the, the work, the help, uh, your goods and the products may go up as well, basically, uh, than the consumer would obviously be paying more for that as well. So some interesting uh, tidbits there from Carol in McCook. She called us here, 844-880-0880. You're welcome to do that for the next half an hour or so. Also, uh, weighing in on our Facebook page where you can go in and weigh in as well on our posts if you'd like to do that. Uh, Clint said that his must-haves while uh, helping harvest is jerky, Copenhagen, and bush light. Boy, I don't know if it gets any more simple than that. That is a simple man right there. That's all he needs. The three ingredients to a successful harvest. Jerky, Copenhagen, bush light. Good luck to you out there, Mr. Clint. Again, we want you to weigh in as well as the day goes along. KRVN's Facebook page or give us